right, I had like New York State of Mensa. Is that kind of cute? This is kind of cute. So it's for New York, but are we hoping this takes off for all of Mensa? I don't know. We're New Yorkers. You have to keep it to keep it New York to keep it local. Oh, like NPR, Chicago, or what? Yeah, Wait, yeah, don't yeah, tell yeah. me. Okay. I don't know. Like New York, New York State of Mensa, Mensa, New York, New York. Forget about it. Oh God, that's terrible. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> being difficult. That's why I'm just looking at you. See, this is this is why we should have a YouTube. This is already we're critiquing. We should have a YouTube channel and not this because we miss the great we miss like the great side eye glances. Um, hi, welcome to the Greater New York Men's Podcast. My name is Sarah London. I'm looking at the beautiful though you cannot see her Carmen Alexander. Since this is our first podcast ever, ever, let's just start with introducing ourselves because you're gonna have to you're gonna be dealing with us a lot. Uh, you wanna go first? I would love to go first. <laughs> I am Carmen. I'm originally from Alabama. Now I live on the Upper East Side of New York. I am really into sewing. Right now, day to day, I'm a part of a healthcare data marketing firm. But since I'm pretty new at that, I'm not going to go into details. I'm going to talk about my exciting job as a stylist for a corporate women's workwear company called M.M. LaFleur. So women come in and I pull outfits for them and it's adult Barbie. And it's kind of the best thing ever for me. I literally just get to pull clothes and put them on people and say, yes, no, add a belt, don't add a belt. You can wear, tuck that in. It is awesome. <laughs> so you get to tell people what to do and you're getting paid for it. So and perfect. they believe me and trust me. And I know, like, I feel confident about it. Where I used to work in financial services and not that I didn't feel confident about it, but that's a lot to understand. Yeah. So fashion, totally got this. <laughs> Dressing myself since I was like three. How long have you been a member? How long have you been going to AGs or RGs or anything like that? I have been a member since October 2015. Yay! Um, my original um, Mensa involvement was Trivia Night. I go to eat. I do not know trivia. Um, <laughs> but I met a lot of cool people there, and they convinced me to go to an AG, and I went to my first AG in Florida this year. And it was a very interesting experience. I've never been to an AG, so I don't, I don't know what your experience was or was not. But we are going to be talking about AGs. So Have you been to an RG? I went to the one in White Plains in, I think, what was that, 2014? No, you weren't a member yet. So no. Um, yes. You know, maybe we'll have one under my term. Who knows? I am the president of Greater New York Mensa right now. I just took office a couple weeks ago. Um, in the daytime, I'm an NYU student. I'm a master's at Gallatin. My thesis is on the philosophy of psychotherapy and psychiatry. So I love the letter P. And I also love super erudite concepts that I can't talk about at dinner parties. Um, <laughs> I also, what else do I do? I model. Um, actually, I'm doing a lookbook shoot here on Thursday and Friday. I model also at the Society of Illustrators. I wait, wait, wait. Lookbook? What? <laughs> and people, the are gonna, is like, Wait a minute. <laughs> people are going to need some explanation of this ah <laughs> uh, lookbook shoot is like um you you get all the stuff that you want to show like the fashion show and you take pictures of it um but not like the straight on pictures like the this is how you're selling the garment pictures these are the fun pictures the preview at, yeah the preview pretty fancy there <laughs> i'm excited um it's gonna be really cool i'm excited and also, I model Society of Illustrators. I do like live modeling. Um, I'm at Sketch Night on Tuesdays. So if this gets, I don't know, sent out 
for the 23rd of January, come draw me. Um, she has black hair, everybody. <laughs> you'll, know, you'll know who I am because I am the model that's doing the ridiculous two-minute poses. Like, I put my arms over my head, I'm like bending my foot back, and I'm like, draw this! I have never been to an AG, but I have been on the board for two years. I joined in November of 2013, I want to say. I have the note on my fridge still. I just can't believe I made it. Uh, volunteering for two years, now I'm president and doing all the stuff that president entails, including taking on a podcast. Um, it's a lot of work. No, it's a lot of work. Totally worth it. But you're so cool. Bursting with energy. That's kind of a thing. Constantly. About you, right? Yeah. <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee. I don't know if you posted like on the Facebook. It's like Sarah drinks three espressos a day. This is the intro to leaving president. Like, yes, I do. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. All right. So for this episode, we're just going to delve into a history of both Menza worldwide and a history of American Menza, which we've gotten a little bit from a former president and current regional vice chair, Ian Strock. His anecdotal information, you know, some historical documents. And there's this great article that I found on Mary Matthews on the history of Menza Worldwide, uh, American Menza's website, for another resource um, if you're at all interested. And Victor Srebrikov's book from 1985, Menza, the Society for the Highly Intelligent. The problem is, it's like the well-known fact that Menzans tend to disagree with each other, especially when there are like clear sides to take. It gets kind of black and white. So maybe some of Srebrikov's story needs to be taken with a grain of salt. You know, John Codell may not be the best, but the judgment call is yours, listener, if you're out there. But he's smart, and we listen to smart people. Isn't that how the world works? He's also a great writer. <laughs> so he's smart, and he's charismatic. So we just kind of Dangerous. fall into it. I, know. I don't know if he was cute or not, though. The only picture I have from him is, like, from the 90s. That old. matters. How tall was he? Do we need that information? I don't subscribe to that. The guy I'm dating is five foot six and a half, and he's great. No, but it's actually proven that taller people do well. Women, not so much, but people listen to tall men. It's true, sadly. <sighs> All right, you want to kick us off? Yeah, so let's go with some statistics. Right now, there are 50,000 members um, of Mensa. There are more than 50,000 American Mensa members, but there are currently 130,000 worldwide. And it's said that there are an estimated 6 million Americans that are eligible for Mensa. That's you know, this podcast is there. It's it's going to be public, so we can. We're we're not only talking to Mensa members; we are talking to prospective Mensa members. We are the um, the liaisons. The I don't know. Basically, we're the coolest kids on the block, <laughs> and you should join us and have some fun. Um, it's true. But also for New York Mensa members, come out and play. If there are this many of you, <laughs> I know it right? could be so much more fun. And that's oh, yeah. New York Mensa is making up about one point five percent of the worldwide Mensa population. So. Yeah, we're at about 2,000 members at any given time, although Metropolitan D.C., not to start any beef, but Metropolitan D.C. Menza, they've been catching up. They're right under 2,000 right now. We need to pick up our membership. <laughs> there are so many smart people here. Are they I just... I don't They're know. hiding. I want more people to play with. I joined <laughs> right? Menza to play with more people that could carry on a conversation and were just as awkward as I was. Yeah, we can do it. This is all... It's all up to us. Not really, but we're... Kind of up to us. I will have as many shameless plugs as possible <laughs> know, throughout this podcast. It's self-serving. I want to meet you. <laughs> and I'm an introvert. For the record. <laughs> so, Mensa, founded in Oxford, England in 1946 by Roland and Lancelot. I'm not going to pronounce those last names. Australian expat Roland Barrel. 
and Lancelot Lionel Ware. He's a what is what is a barrister? A barrister is like a, a lawyer. Yeah, it's one of those lawyers with the wigs though. It's like the cool lawyer. The one they give all the responsibilities to. There's one in Bridget Jones's diary. And she dates them. <laughs> And she later marries them. And from the third movie, I hear that she divorces him and has a child. So that's what I know about <laughs> <laughs> Um, And we are Menzins. We are the reference for Menzins. <laughs> this is what we are. Right. We're normal people. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, that's great. And ironically enough, they met on a train. That's so cute. And then they kept talking with letters about creating a social club. And that was one of Ware's lifelong dreams. So by the 1950s, Mensa meetings began occurring, but mostly through barrel financing. I like pause on those last names. My last name's Alexander. I know. You got no, two first names. And you have London as your last name. We are the, <laughs> like, we don't understand. We don't pronounce last names. Our last names easy. are nouns. But can you imagine meeting on a train and saying, Smart people need to get together. That is so cute, though. Do you think they like liked each other? I bet they did. Oh, but I wonder so who cute. they were surrounded by beforehand to be like, oh, <gasps> like-minded person. I think the first meeting was like 20 people. It was not that many. From It was so cute. From one of the first meetings, um, Victor Cerebriakov. See, we're doing, we're doing great for two people with noun last names. We're doing great. I thought it was Cerebriakov. <laughs> so from his book, he writes, quote, the first encounter of the Tiro Menza member with Menza colleagues remains traumatic. Even today, Menzans are recruited largely by post, and every member who actually joins in our activities, usually a minority, has to pass this hurdle of anticipated embarrassment. What is one to expect from a concentrated group of advanced intelligences? Can one possibly be up to this high standard? Will one encounter compassionate smiles of embarrassment when everyone opens one's foolish mouth? End quote. His first Menza meeting, he noted, was... Quote, absolutely splendid. Isn't that so cute? It's so, it's so true, though. Like, you went to the AG. I know I can't speak for AGs, but it's like you have people in the corner and they're kind of embarrassed and they don't want to talk to anybody else. And, I met some yeah. amazing people and I just said, really? I'm new here. And they said, let me introduce you to people. And then they have breakout rooms by generations. And mm-hmm. I walked in and this amazing woman, Jenna Vinson, was immediately like, let me introduce you to everybody. And I promise you, she introduced me to about half that room, made connections, and said, this person's from this, this person does this. And, um, yeah, shout out to Jenna. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm awkward, and I don't like a lot of people, so. It's been a thing, so this awkward member comes in the room, they're like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Absolutely splendid. That is adorable. Could that be the new tagline? Absolutely splendid. (laughs) Has history with it. Oh, yes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Wait, so how many people has this grown from? Oh, there was a little bit of upheaval. You want me to talk about that? Oh, yes, there was. <laughs> Isn't there always upheaval in men's? We're going to get this a couple times, though. You want to you take it in 1951? Yeah. So 90, 1951, the prospect of converting Mensa from an autocracy to a democracy barreled through a fit. And ah. was, I can imagine this man. Like, how does... He meets on a train with a stranger. Oh, he's like running men's out of his kitchen. He's like, like how? What do you mean? I can't decide everything about everything or men's anymore. Democracy, democracy. <laughs> so he threw a fit and withdrew all financial and secretarial support. So at 31 years old, the enchanted Serbriakov took over as the chair, taking membership from 120 people in 1951 to over 600 by 1959. 
people love a democracy. And that was just in England, wasn't it? That was just throughout the UK. It was not in America yet because that happened a little bit later. From what I know, Peter Sturgeon, who's a chemist and a medical writer living in Brooklyn with his wife, read this article from the Village Voice from Men- about Menza from an American journalist. So he, among like a handful of other New Yorkers, wrote to the Menza Selection Agency in March of 1960 and became a member as of that May. They were the first ever, I think the meeting was something like, I don't know, four other members in his kitchens, moving from one kitchen to another. So it was the first the first ever meeting of American Menza was six people. It was Peter and his wife, four other people. And this was before American Menza was even founded as an incorporation. We were first. American Menza did not get founded until 1965. We are separately incorporated. And let's speak about this kitchen. I think there should always be food at Mensa Gatherings <laughs> to honor our history. And maybe we should have a Mensa train ride where oh, we book all yeah. the seats and talk and that would be kind of awesome it would be absolutely um, splendid wouldn't it though (laughs) oh god oh we'll not do that sorry (laughs) (laughs) oh man (laughs) august of 1960 we were recognized by uh british menza as a group as a concept and we were we stayed in new york as the headquarters until we moved to texas uh what was it in the 90s i think we're gonna get to that later though okay as of May 25th of 1961, all paid-up members in the U.S. contained 92 names from 15 states, 47 of who were from New York. And by March of 1962, that list had grown to 284 members from 31 states and Canada, with 128 members from New York. To this day, New York Metro has the most members of any American Mensa branch, which fluctuates slightly but levels out at about 2,000. And at trivia night, there are about 15 people. <laughs> so we used to be about oh, five, no. and we, we've grown so much. <laughs> what if we take up like three or four tables now? Yeah, but I'm like, where is everybody? Don't Some people just like to get that card and say they're really smart and never actually go to anything, you know? Win at trivia. That's what <laughs> matters. Not that you're in Mensa, but in a room full of people, you're the smartest. Which is sometimes <laughs> right. embarrassing when we don't win. Smart people can have off days sometimes, especially if we're all introverted. I was listening to um, was this woman who was talking about um, <laughs> this woman talking about um, introverts versus extroverts and how introverts are like they burn out so easy and they're just so delicate and so sensitive, and extroverts can't possibly have the level of intelligence that introverts can have because extroverts use neurochemical agents like dopamine, oxygen. Okay. I swear, I swear to you, this is real. I swear to you. It was ludicrous. <laughs> That's yeah. why we don't win at trivia is because we're all so introverted, so we burn out so easy. Well, if for nothing else, you could come to meet Ian Strock. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Ian's always there, isn't he? Always. He leads it, but... He can his... tell you all of the details that we've missed in this history. <laughs> and anything about American presidents. Yes, anything about American... And first ladies. And what's the name of his role again? He's a regional vice chair. Yeah, so he's important. You know, a big deal. He's a big deal. Come meet the big deals. I'm sometimes actually. Am I ever at trivia? No. (laughs) Oops. I'm sometimes kind of sort of at trivia. Maybe sometimes. I don't like the big crowds. So maybe this introvert thing is true. As it's grown, I get irritated because I want to be with certain people, and it depends on when you show up. And I'm like, no, I want Tanya on my team. 
Who doesn't want Tanya on their team, though? I'm just going to keep calling out New York members, and then you're going to have to join and figure out who these awesome people are that I would be that upset that Tanya is not on my team. Although some people some people like that, to like listen listen to us talk about these people and feel included in a group, even if they aren't really in the group. Earlier and more unofficial, Loksex, local local secretary, president, like yours, yours truly, for New York City and Long Island were generally appointed by American men's officials rather than via an election. The presidency changed hands, oh my gosh, four times, three or four times from November 1961 to June 1963, with three out of four times occurring in the span of one year. So typical men's of democracy. <laughs> you know, it happens. They get a little disorganized, and especially because they were being appointed by American men, so they weren't, because we didn't have the bold, big line between great New York men's and American men's. Kind of enmeshed into one until, until John Codell is stepped in. Surabriakov loves him so much. Oh my gosh, he loves this man. <laughs> so he created the biggest membership boom in the history of Mensa. Early in 1961, after a trip to England, this passionate 31-year-old joined American Mensa. Um, <laughs> I wrote that because I love him. Sorry, he really Surabriakov sells him. He really well to create this big of a membership boom. He had to be pretty awesome. He was wonderful. All right, role model. Never knew him, but he was wonderful anyway, I bet. <laughs> Codella served as a liaison to British Mensa, then as a fiscal expert, and ultimately a chair from 1961 to 1966, so we're seeing a little longevity, during which time <laughs> AML went from 100 to a whopping 9,000 members. Worldwide membership skyrocketed to 12,000, mostly thanks to Codella's affinity for public relations work. However... AMC remained unincorporated until 1965, meaning that New York Metro predates American Mensa as a legal entity by almost three years. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> we are the original. We started this. We did. Okay. We started this from England. No. <laughs> we are like the Mensa Revolution. Are no. we? Did we throw the tea in the harbor and separate from British? Well, the problem is we're all part of international men's. If, the, Ameri- under- if the American Revolution had gone differently. How about this? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Alternate history, Mensa. Okay. I watch okay. a lot of Netflix, and alternate <laughs> reality is interesting. Um, what's next? AG. AG, the first annual gathering, was held at the Belmont Plaza Hotel in New York City. June 15th to 16th in 1963, with 160 members attending. That's almost half of the entire American Mensa membership at the time. That's big. From 1963 to 1966, the AGs were held in New York City at the Belmont. In comparison to 1963, last year's annual gathering in Hollywood, Florida, that you were at brought together nearly 3,000 Mensans. That's a lot of smart people in one place. But they dispersed. I never saw more than 100. (laughs) Right. No, but it really, you couldn't tell there were that many people because there were that many things to do. They were literally, they got lectures and they had like all the breakout rooms and stuff we're talking about. And some people, um, generation, why? (laughs) (laughs) Not to call any names, but. No, but there were a lot of groups that did their own thing. Um, I think other groups I just wasn't involved in them would go off and kind of plan their own thing. So it was a really great bonding time outside of scheduled activities. That is cool. Yeah. That also means like with Mensa, like setting up as a democracy, go do what you want to do. Yeah. And find, you find like-minded people and you go do what you want to do. That is cool. We, we have a space, like we give you the space to connect with people, but then you can from there choose what people you actually want to connect with. Yeah. Rather than just the regular events that you go to. But more importantly, invite me. (laughs) 
<laughs> I want to be a part of everything. Right. I thought you were so introverted. I know, but I <laughs> I like to be alone afterwards. But yeah, you have to recharge. Yeah, uh-huh. it's exhausting. I think actually this is very personal, but one day after the end of AG, maybe the first day, I went to my room and cried a little because I was so overwhelmed. It happens. Yeah. And I, I think that's the introvert in me that was like, oh, so many people. I know. <laughs> so overwhelming. I don't know, man. I, I self-identify as a bit of an extrovert. Yeah. But if I had to choose one, I'm a bit of an extrovert. And I've cried after a long day. Sometimes you just get overwhelmed. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a lot all at once. But hopefully the other introverts out there will feel a little comfortable knowing that other people cry at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Even if nothing bad happened. You just... We all <laughs> cry at the end of the day. That's just who we are. It's absolutely splendid. It's absolutely splendid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a sauna in this room. It's so hot. We wish we could share that with you. It's freezing in New York right now. It's everywhere but this room. This room is on fire. <laughs> oh, my house is on fire too, but I appreciate like mm. the middle of winter. Yeah. I'm from Alabama, so... Did I forget to say where I'm from? New York. Baltimore. Oh, okay. You didn't say that. Then. Oops. <laughs> or, yeah, no. From Pikesville, Maryland, home of many, many, many fellow Jewish people. That's an all out thing. <laughs> That's why I like Hensa. I mean, so many different new people. Right? Um, and not just religious differences. <laughs> You're still in Mensa more than I am. Jesus, we're going to elect you the new president. This democratic system keeps up. I am lazy, but I like to talk and hang out with people, so. Perfect. <laughs> Not running for any extra work. Where, where were we? Where were we, girl? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> too much fun. Okay, you're learning too much about Sarah and Carmen. Um, <laughs> this is what this, this one is about, though. It's about learning about Menza and learning about us, and they're not going to hear a lot from us after this. They're doing the, mostly interviews. Unless you want to hear more. We're always here. We'll tell you everything. You you don't have to ask. You probably won't ask. Nope. I'm an oversharer. If you haven't noticed yet, I told you about crying in my room. <laughs> so Amel's first chairman of the board of directors was John Codella after his success as PR man. Um, he was elected in 1963. Despite the growth that Codella fostered in the organization in the mid-1960s, three men became disgruntled with the direction of Menza's leadership and formed a SIG called SIGRIM, the Special Interest Group for Reform in Mensa. Special Interest Group is... People who have special interests together. No. Um, (laughs) Basically, you find people with common interests and you make a smaller group and then you do things with those people. Um, So instead of hanging out with 2,000 members, you'll hang out with the three members that are interested in medieval history. Pretty much. And it's not um, led by... Natural is a members kind of making their own way. So you can have kind of problematic SIGs, or you can have SIGs that don't have anything to do with being smart. Or can you think something. of a random SIG that's really? Oh, I was trying to think of one. I, I know they have one about bicycles, but I don't. It's still active. We have we have a lot of inactive SIGs. A lot of board game SIGs. Yes, people love their board games. The SIG rim portrayed Cerebrikov quote. This is from Cerebrikov's words. As a vicious, unscrupulous, profiteering tyrant, and John Codella as an autocratic elitist. Not only did they strive to dismantle the leadership in Menza, but often accused both men of arrogance, suppression of political opposition, embezzling from their employers, and spread petty gossip that Srebrikov's son was a delinquent, 
and his 13-year-old daughter, quote, had several abortions. I do not look forward to getting there in my term. I think people are generally not unhappy with me so far, maybe? Please, just please, I have had no abortions. Um, I But if you had, that would be okay. Yes, if I had, that would be okay. Be- um, embezzling, not okay. No. Long pause there. Long pause. <laughs> no, it was a long, oh God. I'm not arrogant, I'm just a little vain. This is bad. This is going to get better. We're going to go to the, hit the next bullet point. Quick. Okay. Um, where are we? Where are we? Has, okay. In a 1971 article in the Mensa Journal, Sander Rubin wrote... Sander Rubin was one of the three, uh, three disgruntled men, right? I like that name, Sander, because my last name's Alexander, and it sounds like... I don't know. Sander Rubin sounds like a super fan. Oh, okay. Well, let's listen to see. <laughs> Sander wrote that Codella could not brook opposition to his views and surrounded himself with weaker people keeping tight control over the policies of the organization. So from accusing Codella of dogmatic elitism to flat out name calling and ad, ooh, ad hominem ad hominem offenses, eventually Codella resigned and Sander Rubin took his place. Mm. I see I whipped up my Latin there. I really am a Nigerian. I don't know how I got in. <laughs> But they sent me a letter and said I passed it up. That's so sad to me, though, that Ruben bullied Codella out of office. Even if, I mean, let's be real. Even if Codella had surrounded himself with weaker people to keep control of state, like, you shouldn't resort to ad hominem attacks against somebody. You should go about it the right way, you know? Attack their platform, don't attack them as a person. I don't think that's nice to bully someone out of a volunteer position that they spent years growing the organization to do. Although... That being said, again, we do have to take this story with a little bit of grain of salt because I know a lot of members that might be listening were there and we weren't there. We are just, we're speculating. We're, we did research and we're reflecting on that. But who knows? Codella could have been a jerk and Ruben could have been the best. But Either not. way, I will say there was a lack of good home training. <laughs> you know, I can, I can get behind that, yes. Um, Name calling. In Nationals' defense, they have done a lot lately in, like, sending out emails about how to be a leader, providing us with a lot of resources, especially with the advent of technology and the internet and having all the resources online to use. But back then, they did not have that. All they had was tying a carrier pigeon to rock and throwing it through someone's window with a note that says, this is a horrible joke. I don't like the way this joke is going. as a democracy... Shouldn't you be able to surround yourself with weaker people? Because those are still people. As a democratic leader, I'm going to have to say, uh, weaker weaker, weaker is a strong word. I don't know. I I think weaker is, um, inherently the positions are weaker than yours because the president is supposed to hold more authority. Or even the AMC would hold more authority in their position than the people below them. But I like an even surface of power. If someone has a complaint or someone feels that they need to express an opinion, should always be there to hear it, whether or not they actually have the final say or not. Exactly right. He expressed an opinion. I don't like you. <laughs> and you're a bad person. Oh, man. I don't know. I think it's tricky when you say that everyone should have a voice, but then you say some voices are bad. Mm, Even if that's good. they that's are. Point. But I don't know. I encourage everyone to speak up. Even, no. You're talking to someone who just sent out an email with, my like email address attached to all 2,000 members saying, hi, email me. Do you want to do something? Email me. I'm, I like, I like, 
having the girl just reaches out to you. But you didn't say if there's something you don't like. No, I did. Me. You did? Okay. Did, did I don't my think... email go into your spam inbox? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really think this collision is going to work out. <laughs> um, I'll double check. <laughs> <laughs> so, after Kodela's resignation, Serbiakov continued his work with more passion than ever, which I think is so sweet. Um, he was working for Mensa International, and in the 1980s, he was elected the first international chair, a position that he held until his death from cancer in 2000. Mm. I have a really cute picture of everyone at the uh, Serbiakov and, you know, saying that he's the Mensa Greece president and everybody at the table. I think I'll put that up like when I post about the podcast on the Facebook page. From National, we have now an account of Greater New York Mensa. So we have we got the, the larger frame. Now we get the micro, not the macro version. Um, and this is, this is mostly from Ian, who was our regional vice chair. And I got a little bit of information from Gene Havens, who did the Mensa's 50th anniversary thing. All right, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. There's another kitchen coming. Really? Another <laughs> kitchen. All right, so. Mensa is really all about food, isn't it? Why don't we have anything here? We have <laughs> coffee and water. <laughs> After, beforehand. Fine, fine. Next time, I'll, next time I will provide you with food. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and we need to find a kitchen. <laughs> mm, I know. We should be recording this in one of our kitchens. The problem is my kitchen is very small. We can sit on the floor. Light. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> so, Margot? Margot Seidelman. Seidelman. Okay. Um, was hired as the first executive director of American Mensa in 1961. Not to be confused with the chair. Executive director, like, can't be a, a member. AMC is the actual committee is the board of directors. It's two different entities. Anyway. So, the national office was Margot's kitchen table. Yay! It was in her apartment on West 3rd Street in Brooklyn. And it was there until her death in 1989. Pretty long time. I wonder if it was the same kitchen table. That should be in a museum. If we have a men's museum, it should be everyone's kitchen tables. It should be there. <laughs> Margot was named an honorary member after she died, which I think is really sweet. Because she couldn't be a member because she was the executive director. Right. And you know what's so funny is after Margot died, people gave up their membership to go be an executive director. They were the executive director for a little bit, and then they quit being executive director and started being a member again. Talk about a loophole. And that changed hands a little bit um, until Pam Donahue in the 90s was hired. She was uh, executive director for a while until recently, and she just quit. So after we were in Brooklyn, the staff expanded from Margot, from just Margot, to eight or ten people. In the mid-1990s, the national office moved from New York to Fort Worth, and then we got a building in Arlington, Texas, where we are to this day. We have the Foundation and American Men's in the same space. I'm just shocked. This is all. <laughs> this I, is all new? I feel like I should know this, but no, it's all new. It's everything. I know. That's how I felt when I was looking over this stuff. But now, see, we're educating people. Now everyone can know this, not just us. So there are a few important aspects of every current local group, regional gatherings and newsletters. And since April of 1991, GNYM has hosted around 10 regional gatherings from Terrytown to Long Island, Times Square to Westchester, and in the 2000s, there have been three or four regional gatherings on Staten Island in a hotel that is now a retirement community. Yeah, I gave you that little tidbit of information. Sounds like a nice place to retire. It goes to show like how the age of men's members of Staten Island, like that the hotel is now in a retirement community. Shows what demographic that we're catering to. Okay. (laughs) 
Wow. The, I've not been to Tarrytown or uh, Westchester. Went to Long Island this year. So we got to get around a bit more. I know, right? Or bring it into the city. Times Square, though. I want to bring it in, though. I like to bring it in because it's a good opportunity for people that live outside the city if they don't get to come to the city a lot. I know people complain about it. They're like, oh, it's a big travel time. But if we're getting a hotel anyway, you're going to get a room and you're going to hang out. We'll have a staycation. Yeah. We have so much to do here in Manhattan. And I'm sure we could have a couch surfing situation going on for the people you never get to see. I can think of it two people that I like. Like, yeah, you can come stay with me. Like, Manhattan is so far away, we have to have, like, a site coordinator (laughs) get in. I mean, just no excuses. Come hang out. I'll talk about Memphis for a while. Emphasis. What did I say? Memphis. Emphasis. Ooh, emphasis. Emphasis. Our newsletter. Newsletter of Greater New York Men's. I think we had the second newsletter. San Francisco had the first. And theirs was called Charisma with a capital M. And you have emphasis now. Or it used to be charisma number two. They I'm, literally I'm threw a capital M in the center we of it. We gotta have the M with Menza members. M. Big M. Big okay. M for Menza. That's a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> if, the, if the word has an M in it, then just capitalize it. Make it I think we should call the I'll next one. It. Change it to Carmen. I have an M in my name. With a big M. Carmen with a big M. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there we go. Carmen. New newsletter. All right. So our newsletter debuted as one sheet of paper printed on both sides in 1960. In the 1980s, it appeared monthly, usually averaging 28 to 36 pages. That's what they were doing. Reading that, after having just gone over the budget at the last meeting, reading that and knowing how much we're spending on it right now is giving me palpitations. Monthly? 36 pages monthly? We don't even have that much money in the treasury. I don't know how much it cost back then, but... During the 1996-1997 term, emphasis was cut back to six times a year in a cost-saving move. GNYM was very poor, with almost no cushion in the bank account, especially after the financial issues resulting from the 1986 AG. I didn't get to actually talk to Ian about this, but I didn't want to cruise over it either. So we hosted an annual gathering for the last time in 1986 over Independence Day weekend, and it went so badly that we were fined by National. We were so disorganized that we got fined, and it cost us a ton of money. So in the 80s and in the early 90s, we had this big dip in our budget, and recovering from that has been very difficult. So in response to a fear of another crisis, the cutting of emphasis led to this huge increase in savings, which Greater New York Menza holds to this day. If I told you our treasury, you would be shocked. But don't worry, you're not going to have it for long. I'm going to spend all of our money. Christopher, Christopher is our, um, he's my vice president now. He's the treasurer. Christopher, if you're listening to this, I won't spend all our money. (laughs) He he gives me these looks every time the board meeting, every time I'm like, oh, I want to spend something else. He's like, we can't spend all our money, Sarah. What else are we going to do with it? Hello, right? I don't know, though. You're talking to someone who bought a $400 purse. I bought a $600 coat. My shoes cost $400. See, you're the wrong person to be talking to about this. Because you can't tell me to rein it in like everyone else can. My <laughs> shoes and my coat are my transportation. I do not have a car. I've never had a car right? payment. So, <laughs> See, that's city living, man. I don't pay for, you know, car insurance. You barely pay for health insurance. And a lot of people just throw stuff in their cars. You need a purse to carry that around. Right? See? Investments. We're investing. We are, we're actually very smart with money. 
very yeah. persuasive about things that are probably wrong. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm gonna get impeached if I keep talking like this. No, we're real people. We are. And Minsons are real people. So. Minsons are real people. And also I'm not I'm different in a bureaucratic sense than I am in a personal sense. I'm not the extraneous. We've not splurged with our money that much. We're going to have some great events this year, though. So cool. What if we had an event where we just got a lot of dollar bills and threw them around? That, that would be a waste, maybe. I just want to throw out that there are bad ways to spend money, and yours are probably not to get a bunch of dollar bills and throw them around. There's your advice for the day. There is your Greater York Men's genius level <laughs> advice for the day. All right, what are Ooh. we talking about? Um. Oh, we got some fun facts. Let's, oh, yeah. Let's move on to the fun facts, because okay. we're basically, we're caught up on the history. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. I don't like this fun fact, so I'm gonna need <laughs> I'm gonna need the ladies to fix this for me this year. But Minsa men make up sixty six percent of members, and women make up the other thirty four percent. I don't know what to say, but you know what I'm hearing? Two really smart Minsons are talking to each other, and they're doing they're taking action, and they're saying right there we we're going to be involved. Two young men's and women under the age of thirty. You're 25. 25, everybody. Carmen Alexander is 25. Sarah London is 23. There we go. Did you know that I'm the youngest ever president? I can't wait to listen to this podcast in like five years and be like, wow, I was an idiot. I was so stupid. Or you could say, <laughs> I was so wise. Why have I stopped spending money on purses? Mm. If that fact made you sad, although we're, we are making up for it, I've met some incredible women in Mensa. And the more we talk about it, the more we get it out there that we need women. Women. I think it's the women that do come out because I can definitely think of more women that I know than men. Yeah, so, that is who we are. Hang out with women. So, men some men. Come hang out with the rest of us. Women. <laughs> 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 Pretty ladies. Hey, come to the singles event on February 10th. We're going to have a little singles singles meetup. Are we? Yeah. Um, I'm going to Parsifal um, that night, so I don't know if I can make the whole thing, but I'll be there at the beginning. I'm a little hesitant to go to a singles meetup. A little scary. Really? There's there's like this intention behind it that I'd rather go to a normal meetup and then kind of scout people. Yeah. That's it's, it. It never happens. But <laughs> cool. It's a it's a nice it's a nice pre Valentine's Day thing. We got a lot of people that joined Menza because they were single and lonely. I know I did. I did. I'm smooth. Nineteen years old. I was like, I gotta find me a husband. A nice <laughs> older woman. I was complaining about dating, and she was like, "Why don't you join Mensa?" And I was like, "I'm not that smart." And maybe that's why women aren't in here, because we're taught that, you know, uh, exactly. You know, it's, you know, you're pretty. <laughs> I know, I know. And especially you work in fashion design, so you know that dichotomy. If you're pretty, you can't be smart. Yeah. Anyway, quote unquote, oh my goodness. A lot of quote unquotes today, although mostly we just took quotes from other people. That was my quote unquote. Well, one smart thing that I do is pretend to be stupid because then people don't give you things to do. Mm, <laughs> you get away with a lot go. if you downplay it. Um, I'm pretty sure some of you are used to downplaying your, I don't like saying intelligence level, but downplaying what you yeah. can and can't do. That was part of my presidential address to the board. Was oh. that we, in daily life, we're so used to downplaying who we are and this is a space that we don't have to do that. And we should foster that space. Yeah. Yeah, because, sorry, I don't know. No, just this past year, I decided I'm going to use the vocabulary that's in my head and not right? stop translating yeah. for other people. I'm like, no, I know these words, and I'm going to use them. Because I was constantly, you know, shifting gears because I wanted people to understand. You need a place where you can talk about 
meta ethics and meta morals and meta moral meta ethics. I know metamorphosis. Sorry, mm. a little low down there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> here's another. Here's another one that I can't say that I'm unhappy with, but I have to say that we, as speaking both as millennials here, this is a this is close to our hearts. Baby boomers are the most prevalent generation in Mensa, making up about thirty percent of members. Um, Gen X comes close behind, thirty one percent, and millennials, nineteen eighty two to two thousand, to be specific, are third at arousing 13% of membership. Hmm. I know. That's why I haven't found my <sighs> husband yet. I don't know, man. You can start dating baby boomers. I'm dating a Gen Xer right now. Am I? I'm, yeah. I'm dating a Gen Xer. Go older. I'd say go older. That's just me. She's, look, she's looking at me, everybody. She's looking at me. I do <laughs> date older, but I think it's such a big gap. You can't, And you can't tell. Yeah. It's one thing, like, online dating. You can see someone's age prominently listed. But when you're just rolling around at AG, someone could be 50 or 32. I don't see why it matters that much. If we're all smart, we got stuff in common. Are they tall, though? You are the girl. You're the girl that's like, I only date guys above six foot seven. <laughs> I actually had to lower my standards a lot in the past couple of years. Don't you don't you ever do that? Don't had you ever to. lower your standards? Unless your standards are dating guys above like six foot nine. Because I feel like statistically you might have to lower your standards because I don't know how many men are above six foot nine. Well, usually someone my own height, I would say no. And I'm five seven. But finally, I've just said, okay, I'll I'll give you a try if you are a decent person and have somewhat of a brain. You poor suffering soul. <laughs> you poor thing. <laughs> go, let's go to Famous Men's. This is my favorite section, Famous Men's. Okay, the embarrassing thing is I'm probably not going to know who any of these people are. Don't worry, I know oh, all I, of them because I did this research. <laughs> I know one. Can I talk about the yeah, one yeah, that yeah, I yeah. know? The voice of Boots on Dora the Explorer right? <laughs> is a Vincent, and that's Reagan Mizrahi. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know Boots. I have a niece, and she watches Dora the Explorer. Yeah. Hence, I do too. Boots is a monkey with big red boots. Yes. He's a blue monkey. The sidekick. Yeah. The sidekick of Dora. Who else? We got Isaac Asimov, but everybody knows that. <laughs> Even if you, I'm sorry if you didn't know that, but everybody knows that. Now you do. Now you do. Okay. Um, and like every, everybody in our branch has like met Isaac Asimov because he was doing publishing. Like I was talking about like working with Isaac Asimov for a little bit. Hmm. I know. Cool. And Gina Davis. Every time I watch Beetlejuice, I'm like, ah, Beetlejuice is one of my favorite movies. Never seen it? No? I've seen it. I'm really bad with famous people's names. Makes sense. We have Joyce Carol Oates, the author. Met her in high school. Then everybody met her in high school. Oh my gosh, we have former porn star Asia Carrera. What is a Mensa member. What is she doing now? I don't know, actually. We don't know, just a former porn star, but she's just hanging out. Who else? We have Chino XL, the rapper. We have Leon Feingold, who was on the Wikipedia page for Famous Mensons. I know <laughs> we him! Was, we, we all know Leon, which I think is so funny. Leon, like, gives TED Talks and stuff like that. He is um, really tall. He is tall. He is tall. He's very tall. They're, they're out there. <laughs> I saw one just once I saw him a mention that was tall and tall Leon's really tall yeah and we have this is my favorite this is my favorite fact I got really excited about it I posted on the Facebook page we have two Playboy Playmates that are Mensa members. Katrina Suri was Miss December 1988, and Julie Ann Peterson 
was Miss February of 1987. I, I love that. I love I love beautiful women with great bodies that are also genius level intelligent. I'm not talking I'm not talking about anybody in the nude genre. But <laughs> says the model. says the nude model. <laughs> right. No, I, I love that. I love the invert that paradigm, ladies. But it's also okay to be a regular looking person and be a nude star. I think everybody's pretty. I think we're all pretty regular. We're all oh. <laughs> I have really high standards. It's, you do. Maybe I should just tell everybody to believe in yourself because I just said, I can't believe I'm in Mensa and I'm <laughs> But I think one thing I realized, and I know we're still off topic, but I'm pretty sure we're, you we're guys stuff, so. are like in love with listening to us. Um, right. But I noticed kind of how I come off to people by observing people at AG and I could hear people talking normally and talking passionately and it was kind of like people were pulling you along even though you didn't agree. They were that convincing and that mm, confident. Yeah. And I can see how lots of Mensa members do that. And so there's, I mean, you can't look at someone and say they're smart or they're not smart, but you can kind of get a feeling for... Yeah, there's a certain je ne sais quoi. Um, we don't have a speaker for next month yet, but I know, I know regardless of how much you loved hearing both of us oversharing about every possible thing in our lives. Yep. Usually, it's going to be us interviewing somebody else because we have a lecture series, a monthly speaker meeting that was interesting. Ian was telling me we used to draw maybe 200 people. It's an open lecture. Anybody can go. But as of right now, we're rebuilding the speaker meeting. So in lieu of that, um, for a couple months, we're going to have podcasts. And then our next actual meeting, I think, is going to be in March or April. We don't have anybody yet for February. So look forward to a surprise interviewee that we're going to have. Men's a member, not men's a member. We're going to be talking about cool stuff. Hopefully men's a member. That's kind of the thing that I want to do is talk to smart people about stuff that they're smart about. Sarah, should people contact you about suggested people to interview? Yes, they should. I feel like people should contact me about the podcast in general. If you have love mail, if you have hate mail, if you have love letters, um, if you are over... Seven foot eleven and would like to date Carmen. I'm gonna reach out at sarah.london at bod.gnym.org. Um, <laughs> that is my, my president email, which I'm sure you can find online or it's everywhere. If you want to join Mensa, if you listen to us and you think that we are the most incredible, amazing, charismatic, talented, wonderful women in the entire world, you want to be just like us, email me or go to National's website. Uh, they have the joining and testing page, is one of the first things you'll see. We have testing sessions all the time. What's our, what's our sign-off? We should have a cute sign-off. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and it was absolutely splendid. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes because we are on iTunes. We're going to be as soon as I upload this. Whoa, we're famous. Yeah. Thank you for listening. 